0: Welcome to the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care Podcast. Why does this matter? One person in the United States dies from a drug overdose every six minutes. We as healthcare providers must do better to treat addiction, prevent overdoses, and improve the lives of our patients and their families. This podcast is designed to provide you with simple and evidence-based information on substance use disorders that you can use to take better care of your patients on your next shift. Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Addiction in Emergency Medicine and Acute Care Podcast. Dr. Casey Grover, happy to have you back once again. Now, I hope you liked the new introduction. I felt like the cheesy music and poor audio needed to be redone. Before we start, I am seeing the number of people who listen to this podcast slowly increasing. If you're new to the pod, welcome. Glad to have you with us. If you're a regular listener, thanks for tuning in, and thanks for sharing this podcast with your colleagues. If you want to reach me and suggest an episode, provide feedback about the podcast or just say hi, you can email me at addictionEMac at fastmail.com. That's fast, F-A-S-T, mail.com I am also on Twitter with the handle at addictionEMac. All right, enough chit chat. Let's dig in to today's episode. And today we'll be talking about Kratom. Now, it turns out there's a few pronunciations for this, but I like Kratom. Why choose this topic? I recently opened the November-December 2022 issue of Journal of Addiction Medicine that had gotten lost on my desk, and there was an article on Kratom. It reminded me of a case we had in my emergency department a few months ago where a patient came in complaining of Kratom withdrawal. The doc working didn't know what Kratom was or how to manage Kratom withdrawal, and so he reached out to me and one of the addiction medicine docs at my hospital. So, with that, let's dive into the literature on this topic. I found a great paper that we will be using as the evidence-based backbone of this episode. It's entitled, Kratom Pharmacology Pharmacology. Clinical Implications and Outlook, a Comprehensive Review. The lead author is Stephen Eastlack, and it was published in Pain and Therapy in 2020. The authors start with the customary introduction section. Kratom refers to a tree-like herb that grows naturally in the southeastern Asia-Pacific region. The scientific name is Metragyna speciosa the term kratom actually refers to both the plant as well as any botanical products that come from the plant. It turns out, the authors note, that kratom is actually related to the coffee plant. Moving on, kratom has both stimulant and opioid-like properties, which is why people use it. The authors note that kratom has been used in Thailand, Malaysia, and Myanmar For several hundred years as a part of traditional folk medicine. It's a versatile plant, so the plant and its products can be made into teas, powders, or extracts. There are multiple traditional medical uses for Kratom, including pain relief and to stave off fatigue. It has also been used recreationally for its euphoric effects, and more recently it has been used to manage opioid dependence and withdrawal. While traditionally Kratom was used in the southeastern countries of the Asia-Pacific region, Kratom has spread to regions all over the globe, and, the authors note, its use in the United States is on the rise. There were about 1,800 calls to U.S. poison control centers between 2011 and 2017 related to Kratom, two-thirds of which occurred in 2016 and 2017. It is estimated that about three to five million Americans use Kratom. The authors move on to discuss the legal status of Kratom in the United States. It turns out that it's unregulated. There was a proposal to make it a Schedule I drug in the U.S. in 2016, but this was never carried out. And so, it is an unregulated drug, In the United States. According to the authors, it's often sold in the United States in head shops or smoke shops or also may be purchased online. The authors conclude this first section by discussing the role of Kratom in the U.S. opioid epidemic. As U.S. prescribers have cut back on how many opioids they are prescribing, patients with opioid dependence have sought Kratom to prevent withdrawal. Patients may choose to use Kratom on their own to manage their chronic pain or wean themselves off of opioids or manage their opioid dependence. The authors move on to a section on the pharmacology of Kratom. It turns out that there are multiple psychoactive compounds in Kratom. The most common compound is metragynine. The net effect of all of the psychoactive compounds in Kratom is a mixed stimulant, and opioid-like effect. The authors also note that at lower doses, stimulant effects are more prominent, while at higher doses, opioid effects are more prominent. Several of the compounds in Kratom, including mitragynine, have activity at opioid receptors. Some research shows that these compounds are agonists at the mu and kappa opioid receptors, while other research shows that these compounds are mixed agonists-antagonists at the mu opioid receptor. The authors go on to note that Kratom may also have some other unique effects in the body on pain. There is some evidence that Kratom has an alpha-2 agonist effect and also inhibits the COX-2 enzyme, producing an anti-inflammatory effect. The active compounds in Kratom are metabolized in the liver by the cytochrome P450 system. The half-life of the dominant compound in Kratom, mitragynine, is not fully known but is estimated to be about three hours. The authors then move on to discuss some of their concerns about Kratom. First, they discuss medication interactions. Kratom has shown drug-drug interactions with medications that are metabolized by the same isoforms of the cytochrome P450 system. Kratom is predominantly metabolized by the CYP3A4 isoform. So, co-ingestion of kratom and medications also metabolized by this isoform may result in toxicity. Kratom also inhibits some hepatic enzymes which are involved with glucuronidation, and this can lead to toxic levels of medications when medications which are metabolized by glucuronidation are mixed with kratom. The authors give ketamine as an example of a medication which is metabolized by glucuronidation. Next, the authors discuss the potential for kratom addiction and kratom dependence. Patients with regular use can become dependent on kratom, and can develop Kratom withdrawal when they abruptly stop use. Patients can also develop addiction to Kratom, although the authors note that addiction to Kratom is less common than addiction to standard opioids. Some patients only use Kratom at lower doses to prevent fatigue or improve energy, And the authors note that this use of Kratom likely does not qualify for a Kratom use disorder. The authors also note that many patients who already have opioid use disorder use Kratom to manage their dependence and withdrawal. So in this setting, the authors consider Kratom to be more of a harm reduction strategy. The authors finally note that because Kratom is unregulated, there are concerns about the purity, quality, potency, and safety of kratom preparations. It is difficult for consumers to know what is present in the kratom that they buy, both in terms of varying levels of the various compounds in kratom, such as mitragynine, as well as the presence of contaminants. The authors describe instances in which kratom preparations were adulterated with other compounds, including phenylethylamine, and desmethyltramidol. The authors also note a case where a particular batch of Kratom was contaminated with salmonella. The next section of the paper is entitled Clinical Presentations of Kratom Abuse. First, let's look at how Kratom affects patients. When people called U.S. Poison Control Centers about Kratom, here's a breakdown of what symptoms people were having. 18% had agitation, 17% had tachycardia, 14% had drowsiness, 8% had confusion, 6% had seizures, 5% had hallucinations, and 2% presented with a coma. So, while we don't know exactly why people contacted poison control, we can extrapolate that these are the symptoms of Kratom intoxication and overdose. The authors note that toxicity occurs in a dose-dependent manner and that the risk of toxicity increased significantly when doses of more than 8 grams of powdered Kratom were used. Unfortunately, there are also a large number of cases of organ damage from Kratom. Let's go by organ system. Hepatic. Kratom can cause transaminitis with elevation of AST and ALT over 100. Kratom can also cause acute liver failure, hepatomegaly, and intrahepatic cholestasis. Endocrine. Kratom can cause hypothyroidism and hypogonadism. Renal. Kratom can cause acute kidney injury. Cardiovascular. Kratom can cause cardiotoxicity, although the authors don't specify more than that, and cause cardiac arrhythmia. Pulmonary. Kratom can cause acute lung injury, or ARDS. Obstetric. Babies born to mothers using Kratom can have neonatal abstinence syndrome. And neurological. Kratom can cause encephalopathy, seizures, coma, and in chronic users, cognitive impairment. The authors conclude this section with a discussion of deaths related to Kratom. The CDC noted 152 deaths between 2016 and 2017, related to Kratom. The biggest risk factor was polysubstance use, as deaths involving Kratom involved another substance in 87% of cases. So, it is possible to have a fatal overdose on Kratom alone, but this is not common. The authors move on to a final section, which they call Considerations for Treatment and Management. The authors divide the treatment of patients using Kratom into three phases, the management of intoxication and or overdose, the alleviation of symptoms during withdrawal, and the long-term maintenance of sobriety. Now, the authors acknowledge that there are not any evidence-based guidelines here, so they're providing the best evidence they can based on the literature. They start with intoxication and overdose. To quote the authors, Quote, in cases of Kratom overdose, management is largely supportive, end quote. It turns out that while naloxone is very effective in the management of opioid overdose, naloxone in Kratom overdose has not been well studied. There are some case studies that have reported the successful reversal of Kratom overdose with naloxone, but there's not much more in the literature than that. A quick aside here. Now, I actually disagree with the authors on this. Why would we not use naloxone in the case of a serious Kratom overdose? If someone is awake and breathing, or even just sleepy but still breathing, naloxone isn't needed. But if someone is apneic and unconscious and it's from Kratom, what is the downside to naloxone? And we know that Kratom has opioid agonist properties, so intuitively, naloxone should work. In my mind, any life threatening Kratom overdose needs naloxone in addition to supportive care. Sorry for the brief rant, back to the article. The authors move on to make a few more points about Kratom overdose. In terms of the amount of Kratom that can cause an overdose, the use of more than 15 grams of Kratom is likely to cause a presentation that is clinically very similar to an opioid overdose. Also, Kratom will not be detected on routine urine drug screens. The authors move on to Kratom withdrawal. They note that the symptoms of Kratom withdrawal are very similar to that of opioid withdrawal and include nausea, vomiting, chills, diarrhea, rhinorrhea, body aches, restlessness, and irritability. The physical exam findings that may be seen in Kratom withdrawal include mydriasis, hypothermia, tremors, and diaphoresis. Patients in kratom withdrawal may also demonstrate mental health symptoms such as nervousness, anxiety, and depression. Kratom withdrawal may be treated with buprenorphine in the same way that buprenorphine is used to manage opioid withdrawal. Kratom withdrawal may also be treated supportively with alpha-2 agonists such as clonidine, hydroxyzine, and meds to manage symptoms like ibuprofen, ondansetron, laparamide, decyclamine, etc. And finally... The authors discuss the management of Kratom use disorder. Again, there are no evidence based guidelines here. The authors note that Kratom use disorder should be treated in a similar fashion as opioid use disorder. Medications for opioid use disorder, including methadone, buprenorphine, and naltrexone, may be used, and patients should be connected to treatment programs, counseling, and mutual support groups. The authors conclude that more research is needed on Kratom. And that's the end of the article. That was actually a pretty darn good review of Kratom. I actually think I got all of my questions answered. You might be wondering, what did we do with the patient who came into our emergency department with Kratom use and Kratom withdrawal? Well, we actually used buprenorphine successfully to manage his withdrawal, and we connected him with one of our local drug treatment programs. You also might be wondering, what was the article in Journal of Addiction Medicine on Kratom that was on your desk about? Well, it was entitled Assessment of Kratom Use Disorder and Withdrawal Among an Online Convenience Sample of U.S. Adults. Kristen Smith was the lead author. It was an online survey sent out to people who use Kratom to learn more about who uses Kratom, how they use it, what withdrawal symptoms they experience, and who would meet DSM-5 criteria for Kratom Use Disorder. Now, I need to mention that there is no DSM-5 diagnosis of Kratom Use Disorder, but if you go back and listen to Episode 6 of this podcast on how to assess the severity of a substance use disorder, there are 11 DSM-5 criteria to assess for a substance use disorder and these criteria can be applied to any substance. For example, look up the DSM-5 criteria for opioid use disorder. Simply replace the word opioid with Kratom in the criteria, and you'll have criteria for Kratom use disorder. To avoid this episode getting too long, I won't go through the paper completely, but I will call out a few key points. This, again, was a survey of people who use Kratom. What did they find in their survey? The average Kratom user was 35 years old, 52% were female, 80% were white, the average age at which people started using Kratom was 30, 53% did not meet criteria for a Kratom use disorder, there were high rates of anxiety and depression in those who used Kratom, there were high rates of pain in those who used Kratom, and there were high rates of polysubstance use in those who used Kratom. In terms of withdrawal symptoms, the most common symptoms of Kratom withdrawal were anxiety, irritability, desire to use other substances, poor energy, difficulty sleeping, restlessness, nausea, body aches, fatigue, dyspepsia, depression, craving Kratom, and drowsiness. And that's the end of my brief review of this second article. All right, so that wraps up this episode. Let's put together some take-home points on Kratom. Number one, Kratom refers to a tree-like herb that grows naturally in the southeastern Asia-Pacific region as well as any botanical products that are made from the plant. Number two, Kratom has both stimulant and opioid-like properties. At lower doses, stimulant effects are more prominent, while at higher doses, opioid effects are more prominent. Number three, Kratom may be used by people for many reasons, including pain relief and to stave off fatigue. It has also been used recreationally for euphoric effects, and more recently it has been used to manage opioid dependence and withdrawal. Some patients use it as an alternative treatment for pain or opioid dependence. Number four, Kratom can cause toxicity in multiple organ systems. Some of the more common and dangerous conditions include acute liver failure, intrahepatic cholestasis, acute kidney injury, cardiac arrhythmia, encephalopathy, seizures, acute lung injury, and cognitive impairment. Babies born to women using Kratom while pregnant can develop neonatal abstinence syndrome. Number five, Kratom overdose appears overall to be very similar to opioid overdose. Other signs that may be seen with Kratom overdose include agitation, seizures, hallucinations, and tachycardia. Treatment of Kratom overdose involves naloxone and supportive care. Kratom overdose is more likely when larger amounts are used and when Kratom is combined with other substances. Number six, when Kratom is stopped abruptly, patients may experience Kratom withdrawal, which appears clinically like opioid withdrawal with nausea, vomiting, chills, diarrhea, rhinorrhea, body aches, restlessness, anxiety, depression, and irritability. Patients in Kratom withdrawal may be treated with buprenorphine and or medications to alleviate withdrawal symptoms such as clonidine, hydroxyzine, ondansetron, and ibuprofen. And number seven. Kratom use disorder should be treated in a similar fashion as opioid use disorder. Medications for opioid use disorder, including methadone, buprenorphine, and naltrexone may be used, and patients should be connected to treatment programs, counseling, and mutual support groups. And that is the end of this episode. Please share this podcast with your colleagues. There is still so much more work to do to improve the treatment of substance use disorders. Thank you for listening and thank you for what you do. And don't forget, treating substance use disorders saves lives.